Uh, it's great to be with you this morning to worship Jesus in this place. My name's Pastor Chris. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I look forward to that and just getting to know you and hear some of your stories. But uh, thanks for being here on a Sunday morning in November. Uh, I was celebrating last week that the Steelers didn't lose because they didn't play. But uh, back to action today, so we're, we're fervently interceding once again. Uh, so last week we started a series called Known, and we talked about Jesus being the God who knows our name, that he's a very personal God. He's not distant or far off. And uh, we, we all sang the Cheers theme song together. If you missed that last week, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do a redo this week. You'll have to go back and watch it again. Uh, but there is something special about being in a place where people know our name. When people know our name, it communicates value to us. It, it engenders a sense of community and belonging somewhere when people know who we are. And uh, as a key verse we used last week, Isaiah 43.1 says, Do not be afraid. Man, everybody say, don't be afraid. Even like we just sang this morning and we've been meditating on God being our defender. He says, don't be afraid. I will save you. I have called you by name. Isn't that cool that even if the person sitting next to you doesn't know your name, we have a God who does know our name. He knows us personally and intimately. And it it all works out well until, uh, go ahead and put the the cartoon up there. I saw this this week. He says, here's your order, sir. It all works out well until God changes your name. He says, here's your order, sir. A thousand business cards saying Simon the fisherman. And later that day, Jesus says, Simon, from now on, you'll be called Peter. Man, you ever have those moments uh, that where you've, you've done things the way that you thought they were going to work out? Uh, I, <laughs> last week we talked about he knows our name because he's Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's been with us through every circumstance. He knows who we are. He knows our name. And I was thinking this week that he is with us, but how many of you know he still is above it all? Like even though he's very personal, he's with us, he still sees everything and is over it all. And I saw this quote this week, uh, which even still ties into what we've been singing about and thinking about. When we are worried about things below, worship the one above. I don't know about you, but I have talked to and met some people this week even that are worried about things below, how things are going in the world around us and their circumstances. And there's a time and a place where we just need to step back. Even as we sang, all I did was worship. I'm going to take a step back from this, from looking at the circumstances around me. I'm going to get my eyes back on Jesus. And he causes everything to come back into order and reminds me of my priorities. When I get worried about things below, worship the one above. We really are on a first name basis with the one in charge of everything. Isn't that awesome? He talks in the scripture about we can come into his throne room boldly because we know him and he knows us. If you are worried or you're bothered, just start to worship and see what Jesus has to say about your circumstances and what you're going through. thinking about the things that we go through in life. Have you ever started something or gotten into a place where you realized pretty quickly you were in over your head? Is is it just me? You you guys can relate to this, right? I don't care what it is, whether it's, whether it's parenting or car repairs or putting together furniture from Ikea. You, You get in this place where you realize, man, I am out of my depth here. I need some help. And, uh, whatever it is, I saw, I saw this cartoon this week. He says, don't ask. But yes, I could use some help. How many of you ever feel like that dog? We got, we got ourselves into a situation. I'm not entirely sure how I got here. I don't know how to get out. All I know is I could use some help right now. 
Man, I, I was thinking we sang last week uh, the theme song from Cheers, and all that's running through my head right now is I get by with a little help from my friends. Come on, there is something about when we get in those circumstances, we all need friends in our lives. We need people who know us that we can call on that are going to come help us in our circumstances. And uh, I was reminded of this. Do you have any best friends? And I was thinking best friends pick each other up. Go ahead, put that next one up there. We are best friends. Always remember that if you fall, I will pick you up after I stop laughing at you. Come on, how many of you know there, there is something real about a best friend relationship that's just like that on the screen? But, but seriously, uh, here's, here's another thought if you put the next one up there. Good friends know your stories, but best friends have lived them with you. So in all seriousness, there is a time and a season we go through things in our lives where we have friends that walk with us, that they know us, and we can call on them. And uh, I was thinking, as, as I was thinking about our best friends and people that have walked through situations with us, you guys remember that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah. And, and you're going through, you're answering these questions. Yeah. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Do you, re- do you remember that show? No. Is that your final answer? They had these series of lifelines that you could use if you didn't know the answer. You, you could eliminate a couple of them. You could ask the audience. Or you could what? Phone a friend. And you could call somebody and ask somebody, hey, can you help me with the answer to this question? And uh, I, as I was looking it up this week, who this is so, I don't know, this is an example maybe of how things go in the world and how fleeting fame is. Does anybody remember the name of the first guy that won a million dollars on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? See, it's not that important in life, is it? But the guy's name was John Carpenter, and he answered all the questions. He went through every single one of them, and he didn't use any of his lifelines. This was, uh, I think it was 1991. He was sitting there. He, he didn't use a single lifeline. He got down to the final question, and he tells Regis, I need to phone a friend. And they, they, they're like, okay, this is unusual because it hasn't happened before. You're so smart. You've answered all these questions. Who do you want us to call? He says, I need you to call my dad. And so they, they get his dad on the line. And John Carpenter, sitting in the chair on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, says, hey, Dad, I just wanted to call and let you know I'm about to win a million dollars. Isn't that awesome? That, that was such a cool move. I wish I could be that calm under pressure. I, I'm, I'm more likely to be the guy. Did you ever see the, the who wants to be a millionaire when they phoned a friend and the friend had no idea about the answer? Like that's, that's who I would be. Hey, Chris, I'm sitting here with Pam and she wanted me to call you to ask you a question about 12th century Chinese pottery. Oh, Pam, it's going to be a long ride home. <laughs> That's, that's what would happen to me, but it was such a cool move. I know the answer. I'm going to do it. But most often in life, we don't know all the answers, and we need our friends around us. We need to be able to call somebody, and I'm, t- I'm going to tell you this morning, more than anybody that you could pick to be on your phone a friend list, we have a relationship with somebody that we can call who really does know all the answers. His name is Jesus. He's walked through our shoes. He's walked through our circumstances. He knows what we need better than we even know ourselves. He knows our name because he is our friend. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Jesus knows our name because he really is our friend. He's that personal. He's that much in our life. You think about your friends around you in the natural. Your friends know your name. They know your nicknames. They know your likes and your dislikes. They know who you really are. Come on. Friends pick you up when you're down. Friends don't let you go out of the house in that outfit. How many of you are thankful for friends like that? 
you, you send them a picture. I'm going to wear this. Is this okay? Or, or I walk into the room with Pam, and Pam's like, nah, it's just, there's another shirt in the closet for you this morning. Come on, that's what friends do for us. They're always there in those situations. They're, they're people to laugh with, their shoulders to cry on. That's who friends are, and that's who Jesus wants to be for us. He knows us better than we could even know ourselves, and he still loves us and calls us friends. Isn't that amazing that Jesus knows everything about you and still wants to be your friend? I don't, maybe, maybe you're not that insecure about things, but I look at my life and I think, Jesus, you know all of this, and you still call me friend. You still love me, and you still want to, you're still faithful. You've never left me. You've never let me down, and you never will. What an amazing God we serve. And this is what Jesus said in John 10, 14. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. In that passage, Jesus is painting the picture of, of us being sheep under his care as a good shepherd. Come on, not, not just a hired shepherd, not just somebody that's watching the sheep from a distance. That's, I hate to admit this, but if I was a first century shepherd, I feel like that's where I'd be. I'd be on the outside of the pen watching them like, hey, it smells over there. It's dirty over there. I'm, I'm just making sure the sheep are in there. Can I have my paycheck now? Come on, how many of you know Jesus gave that picture and said, hey, there's a difference between a hired hand and somebody that lays down their life for the sheep. And Jesus says, I'm a good shepherd. I know each one of my sheep by name, and they know me. We, I, I've never been able to tell the difference between two sheep. Come on, I, they, they look all the same to me. A sheep is a sheep. There's several things popping in my head, but I'm not going to say any of them. A sheep is a sheep. But the sheep, if you've ever talked to somebody who was a real shepherd, they have personalities, they have quirks, they have different things about them. And a good shepherd has been living close enough with the sheep that he knows who they are and can pick them out of the crowd. And Jesus says, that's who I am. I am a good shepherd. And I think one definition, you, you could put several out there, but I think one definition of relationship is knowing and being known. Come on, isn't that really what relationship is all about? Pam and I have a relationship. I know her and she knows me. She knows me and sometimes I still have no clue how she works. <laughs> relationship is a two-way street and that's exactly, in that verse, that's exactly what Jesus invites us into with him. I know my sheep and they know me. There is something about what Jesus calls us to, that he wants us to not only know that he knows everything about us, that he knows our name, but he says, come and know me also. What do you think of God when you picture him? Do you picture like a big cloud in the sky? Is he magnificent? Is he mighty? Is he unapproachable? Is he serious? You have the, the old man upstairs. Anybody know people that have that picture of God? Is he serious? Is he crying? Is he angry? Is he upset? How does your picture change at all when you think of Jesus? When we take it out of just who do you think God is till we make it very personal, we say, what do you picture when you think of Jesus? How often do we ever picture Jesus smiling or enjoying our company? Think about how many times you smile and laugh with your friends. How many times you can't wait to hang out with them. Hey, we're, we're having a get-together tonight. Oh, my friends are going to be there. I'm so excited to go. Do we have that same picture with the one who calls us his friends? That, he, that Jesus would be smiling and say, man, I can't wait to hang out with you. 
Can't wait to spend time with you. I think Jesus smiled. I think, I think he had a good time. I think he, he laughed a little bit. Think about some of these stories with me in the Bible. Um, when he's given the disciples a few loaves and fishes to go feed a multitude. Do you think he was like somber and serious about that? Take this bread. Bless it. Or do you think Jesus was like, watch this. Take this bread. Like, I just picture Jesus having that relationship with his disciples of smiling, being excited. Wait till you see what's going to happen when you take this bread and these fish. Come on, think about Jesus being a real person. Do you think there was maybe a little bit of a smirk on his face when he's talking to the guy about, hey, you want to take that, that speck out of your brother's eye? How about that log in your own eye? Do you think he said that just deadpan, serious, and all religious? Or do you think maybe there was a little bit of, hey... I'm going to tell him this. I, don't, I think Jesus was a real person. Is, is, that, is that a laugh that he's suppressing when he tells the disciples, throw the net over the side of the boat, and he knows there's going to be so much fish in it that they can't even pull it back into the boat without the nets almost breaking? I just, I don't know about you, but I picture Jesus that way. Hey, guys, throw that net over the side of the boat. And then he's like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> is, is it okay to do that? To use our sanctified imagination and picture Jesus as a real person who was our friend. Do you, do you really picture a somber Jesus interacting and playing with the kids that the disciples were so worked up about that they were like, keep those kids away. And Jesus is like, what? We're having a great time here. I think Jesus smiled at people a little bit. And I think he smiled with people a lot. I think there was something approachable about Jesus, that, that he was a God who was happy, that he was wanting to be with us, that he was the guy that people invited places because he brought joy. There, he was somebody that people wanted to be around, that they said, can Jesus come hang out with us today? We love him because he's our friend. I think maybe, maybe one check, if you're doing some self-inventory, I think one check of our Christ-likeness could be how many people want to be around us. Are, are we the people that, man, I love inviting Chris to places because he's always so full of joy. He's always got something good to say. He always, he's my friend, man. Is that happening in our lives? Because it happened in Jesus's life a lot. And if we say that we want to be just like him, maybe that's a good indicator of what happens in our lives. In John chapter two, there's a story about a wedding that was taking place in a little town called Cana. And it says this in John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Think about this. Jesus is in the middle of calling disciples, and he's trying to build a team, and he's got the redemption of the world on his mind. Come on, whatever's on your to-do list, I don't think it's as heavy as what was happening in Jesus' world. Come on. He came into the world, and he's calling these guys, you're going to help me turn the world upside down because I've got to go to the cross, and I'm going to save humanity. I'm going to redeem everybody. He's got all that on his mind weighing on him, and yet he says, hey, we're going to take time to walk a few miles up the road to go hang out at this wedding feast. The wedding in Cana is known for an amazing miracle that Jesus performed there, but that's not why he went. He went because he was invited, because he was their friend. They enjoyed his company. They wanted him to be at the wedding. He wasn't a celebrity yet. 
He didn't have a huge crowd. He wasn't a miracle worker yet. He hadn't done any miracles yet. In fact, he told his mom at the wedding, hey, it's not my time yet. He hadn't done anything hugely supernatural that everybody would be like, hey, we got to have Jesus come to this place. The small town, regular people from Cana thought it would be a great idea to invite Jesus because they liked being around him. They had, they had seen him. They had interacted with him. Maybe they invited Jesus because they liked him and he was fun. Maybe that ought to be part of our Christian witness, that we're likable and we're fun. I'm just, I'm just picturing, darn it, like me. Come on, I'm fun. It's not what I'm talking about. Be a regular person. Be friendly to people. That's part of who Jesus was, and it opened doors for him. He went to great lengths to be approachable. Come on, this is Jesus. He was the Almighty, right? He's the one we're worshiping, we're singing about him. He's the Almighty, yet he didn't act high and mighty. Come on, he, he's the Holy One. He was the one that was prophesied to come, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel. But he wasn't holier than now. Come on, all the things that sometimes we get a bad rap for or people exclude us for, Jesus didn't do any of those things. He really was the one who knew everything, but he didn't act like a know-it-all. He was approachable. He was real. His purpose for going to that wedding wasn't to show off. It was just to show up. Maybe sometimes God's wanting to move us into circles where we put aside our agenda and we just say, hey, I'm going to go just be there. I'm going to live my life with Jesus living in me. I'm aware of his presence. I know he's my friend. I know he's my savior. I know he lives in me. And I'm just going to go and be with people and see what happens. I think Jesus knew their names. I think he shared their stories. I think he fished with the guys. I think he celebrated life events with them. Oh, it's a wedding. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're having a baby. Oh, this is happening. This is amazing. Your bar mitzvah. I'm so proud of you. I think Jesus was that guy. They loved having Jesus around because everywhere that Jesus went, this is what he did. John 10.10 says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What a great mission statement. Wouldn't that be awesome if we were those people? Man, my purpose wherever I go is to give them a rich and satisfying life. His purpose for going to the wedding wasn't to do a miracle or show off his power. His purpose for going there was to just give life, to release something that he carried. He didn't preach at the wedding. Come on, there's no recorded sermon at the wedding of Cana where he said, oh, now that I've all got you in the room here, if you want me to turn this water into wine, you've got to listen to me talk about the scriptures for a few minutes. Let me introduce myself. I'll tell you from the scriptures why I'm the Messiah. He didn't do that. He just said, I'm here. I'm here to be part of your life. He went to that wedding to release abundant life, which is the same thing we should be doing everywhere that we go. There may be times where you need to share a truth or pray for a miracle or expect something supernatural to happen, but there are times when we should just show up carrying the joy of abundant life that Jesus has deposited in us. I think... Some of those other things, the miracles and sharing a message or telling people about, those things can happen more when the door has been opened because we've been a friend. And we've said, man, I I know your name. Come on, just the same way that Jesus invites us into that relationship and says, I know your name, 
we get to turn around to other people and say, hey, I want to know you. I want, I want to know your name. Here's a verse I want to land on this morning. Jesus, where did he specifically say in Scripture that he's our friend? In John chapter 15, he's, he's walking with his disciples, and he says this in verse 14. He says, you are my friends. Everybody say, I'd like to be Jesus' friend. All right, most of you are excited about that, or at least somewhat tepid or mildly interested in that. Come on, one more time. I'd like to be Jesus' friend. How about you? Man, what an awesome thing to think that the God of the universe would walk that closely with us to say, I'm your friend. I'm with you in every situation. And this is how you do it. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I've made known to you. Come on. When he says, I've not call, I'm no longer calling you servants, that, please hear me. That doesn't mean you don't do anything to serve the Lord. Okay? He really is the Lord, right? He's, he is the ruler of our lives, and, and we serve him out of a place of joy, out of a place of this is not an obligation or a duty, but I'm doing this because I love him. There are still opportunities to serve the Lord, but when he says, I don't call you servants, he's making the distinction between somebody that's just hired to do a job and somebody that's in relationship. He says, you're not a servant anymore. I've called you a friend. I've brought you in close. I've included you. I've told you everything that the Father's telling me. I'm telling it to you. Jesus is Lord, but he's not your work boss where you have to clock in and out. He called us friends because he's in relationship with us. I think it's so cool that that he says, I've told you everything the Father told me. Jesus never says, mind your own business. Or, or if you're old enough, maybe the, the godfather, don't ask me about my business. I don't know. I, you talk about a movie like The Godfather, and only people over a certain age resonate with it anymore. Oh, Jesus never says that. How many of us have ever been guilty of that, of turning to somebody and saying, mind your own business. This is my life. Come on, hands off. I'm going to keep you at a distance. And Jesus never does that. He invites us in and embraces us. <laughs> Oh, he wants us to be all up in his business. He wants to know and be known. He's called us friends. And our status changed. When Jesus came in the flesh, it went from saying, hey, you're a servant. You've got to keep the rules to be in relationship. You've got to do these things to perform. He said, none of that's how it works anymore. I brought you into the family. I've called you a friend. I know you now. Come on, we, we let our friends in on things that we don't tell just anyone. Come on, does anybody have a friend that you tell things to all the time that nobody else knows about? Come on, Jesus invites us into that kind of relationship. You can tell me anything, and I'll tell you anything you want to know. Everything the Father's told me, I'm telling it to you. And he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. Well, what did he command? We thinking, oh, I got to go back to the rules. I got to figure out what Jesus wants us to do for him. He thought it was so important to explain this, this phrase when he said, you're my friend if you do my command, that he actually told them in the verse right before and the verse right after, he literally says, this is my command. 
Here's what it is. In John 15, 12, he says, my command is this. Come on, how much more plain could Jesus make it? He says, you're my friend if, I do, if you do what I command. And he literally says, this is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And in verse 17, he says, in case they missed it, the first time he said it, in verse 17, Jesus repeats it a second time and says, this is my command, love each other. Being a friend of Jesus opens the door to knowing the heart of Jesus. He came because he loved people and he wants us to do the same. You see it later in scripture called the royal law of love. There are things that Jesus demonstrated of how to live. The secret of being a friend of Jesus isn't figuring out the right rules to keep. It's not looking for your checklist or figuring out what to do. It's learning how to love each other well. In fact, Jesus says, means laying down your life for people around you. Just like he was about to do on the cross, he was about to demonstrate what he was talking about here. This is the greatest love you could have, where it's no longer about what motivates yourself, what you want out of things, what's going to make me the most comfortable or make me the most happy, but it's laying down our lives for the people around us. He says, if you do that, you're keeping my commands. You're my friend. I'll tell you anything. You can ask me anything. Oh, this is going to be a great relationship, and we're going to walk together. Wait till you see what I do through your life. What an amazing place that he invites us into. So this is where I want to land this morning with an action item for us this week. I I don't think this is super complicated, but it might be challenging or it might be daring because of who Jesus brings across your path. But I'm going to ask us all this week, be mindful of being a friend or maybe being friendly. Come on, how many of you ever needed to work on that a little bit? Come on, I, I tell you guys all the time, half the time I'm up here, I'm just preaching in a mirror to myself. And there are things that Jesus is challenging me about. Hey, you need, you need to be approachable. You need to be friendly. You need to be somebody who's willing to go the mile with people. Woo. Yes. That was to get your attention. Think about, he really did lay his life down, actually laid his life down, suffered and died for us so that we could be called his friends. And he turns around and he asks us, love, other, love people the same way that I loved you. Be their friend the same way I'm inviting you into a friendship with me. Maybe being somebody's friend means that we need to start looking around and see who's, who's left out at Thanksgiving time. Maybe there's somebody I need to include in my plans. Maybe being a friend means to recognize needs and and say, oh God, is that generosity? What is that feeling in me, Lord? You're my friend. Tell me, what am I feeling right now? Yes, he might say that to you. This This is what it means to be generous, to lay down your life. Give money to them. Go visit them. Be a friend to them. Whatever it looks like. At this season right now, I think Jesus is challenging us. The same way I invited you to be my friend, turn around and give that away to other people. How many of you think you could work on that this week? 
that's a pretty good number. I'll, I'll go with that 80%-ish. Jesus loves you so much. He invited you into that relationship. Not just saying, hey, you can know me from a distance. You can act like a hired hand. You can keep the rules. But he says, come be my friend. Let's go ahead and stand together. Maybe you're in this room today or you're you're watching online and you don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, to, to have somebody, the God of the universe, somebody in eternity that would love you and care that much to step out of eternity, to come walk on this earth and die on the cross just so he could be your friend. If you've you've never experienced that or you've never started that kind of relationship with Jesus, I'm going to invite you to come get some prayer this morning. We've got somebody from the ministry team in the back and they'll be over here by the cross. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, come get some prayer. We'd love to pray with you and introduce you to him and let you know what it means to follow him, to be his friend and to walk with him and have him walk with you. Father God, we thank you for your great love for us, that you so loved us that you sent Jesus. And Lord Jesus, when you walked on the earth, you looked at a a band of people just like us that maybe had no idea how they got there or or what was really going on. You said, "I I don't call you servants anymore, but I call you friends. Thank you for inviting us into that relationship with you. Lord, we ask that you would continue to help us to hear your voice as you're speaking those things that that you're telling us what the Father has told you and you're revealing good plans for our lives, that you're releasing abundant life. Help us to be attentive and listen to what you're saying. I'm just picturing that the same way that we communicate value to our friends by looking them in the eye and listening what they say and and valuing, valuing their opinions and their feedback and the things that they're communicating to us. I feel like he's saying, that's the picture. I want to have that relationship with you where we look at each other. You talk to me and then I talk to you and it's a conversation and we value each other. Lord, help us to do that with you to take that time to just pause not to be the ones that always do all the talking but to be the ones that listen as well God I thank you that even as we leave this place today we can leave full of faith and hope and life knowing that you are with us at all times that you're our friend that you've never let us down and you never will Let our lives reflect that well to the world around us. Let us be ones that open ourselves up to be friends to others as well. God, we say that we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your goodness. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen.